Good morning. My name is Micah Solly, and I'll be reading our scripture today from Galatians 5, verse 1, and then 13 through 26 as well. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For there is there, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Micah. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we pray this morning that we would lay aside all of our thoughts and cares and anything that would cause us to miss the message that you would have for us today. There's a lot going on today, but God, we came to hear from you, a message from you. So, God, we ask you now in Jesus' name to speak to our hearts through your word, through your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. But it's so good to see you this morning. I am Keith Pugh, Sr., and I bring you greetings from my bride, Teresa, who is not able to be with us today. She is with her parents down in Florida, and many of you have been asking about her and praying for her and keeping up with with that situation, and we're very, very, as a family, very grateful um, for that, for that support. But this morning, I'm going to ask you, we're, Galatians 5 is going to be our text, but turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, it was interesting this week as I was reading and studying and just doing my normal time with the Lord, God kept confirming what I need to share with you this morning. And uh, that's a passage we're going to go to and as kind of supplementing what we're going to do in Galatians chapter 5. But let me just tell you this more. I remember exactly where I was 40 years ago today. Exactly. On New Year's Eve, the 31st of 1982, that's right, we were gathered in our little apartment in Birmingham, Alabama. We had a little apartment there, uh, Diane Apartments. Uh, KJ, our son, was supposed to have been here on the 25th, 
or 28, I'm sorry, 28. So Teresa's parents came, her brother and his wife came, his sister and her husband were there. We were all crammed into our little apartment there 40 years ago. And New Year's Eve, Teresa went into labor. As a friend of ours said, she started having constrictions. And so her constriction started, and we got everything together. We had our bags packed. We hopped in our little yellow Honda Civic, and we rushed off towards St. Vincent's Hospital. I have to confess, I ran red lights. I did things. We were rushing to get to the hospital for the birth of our firstborn child. We got there a little before midnight, got settled in, and 18 hours later, uh, KJ came into the world. About 4 o'clock, I always said it was about halftime of the Rose Bowl. It was on January 1st. He was very, very gracious to wait. But I remember where I was that morning because I was reading the Scripture. It was the first day of the year, and I must have had a a plan going because I was in John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, I read, was reading there, and in verse 8, John is speaking of John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist, you know, who was coming before Jesus. And you know what John the Baptist's mother always told him growing up? Remember, John, no honey till you eat all your locusts. And so anyway, John the Baptist is who John is writing about. But this is what John says in verse 8 of chapter 1. He was not the light, speaking of John the Baptist, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And I can show you in my Bible where I jotted 1183KJ. Because I believe that KJ was coming for a special purpose. KJ has certainly lived up to this verse. From his childhood, he's been a testimony to the light of Christ, to his family, to his friends, and to all the people that he's come in contact with. And KJ, as I tell him, he is really my hero. He really is a great witness for the Lord, and I am so thankful to be called his earthly father. I'm thankful that I can be involved in his family and his ministry to some degree, Ella and James and Lynn, and what a wonderful family. I'm so thankful that they are here at Alberta Baptist Church and are part of the ministry here and the lives of people that we love so dearly. And I'm thankful today that I can come and and share God's word with with you this morning. But in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, Paul says something very similar to what he says here in Galatians chapter 5. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it's summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. And the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. 
Now, if you would, in your Bible, turn back with us to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, Paul says it was for freedom that Christ called us. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's been interesting. I, KJ turned 40. I turned 65 this year. And in my 65 years, I have never seen things happening the way things are going right now in our world today. These have been some of the most unusual years of my 65 years of life. I had never, I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I'll tell everybody, KJ got all of his intelligence from me because his mom still got hers. I have never heard in all of my life probably the word pandemic. That was just not a word that I was very familiar with, the word pandemic. And a pandemic, as I looked it up to share with you, is a widespread occurrence of an infectious disease over a whole country or the world at a particular time. A pandemic. Who would have ever thought that we would go through a pandemic? You know, there's still, hopefully we're coming out on the other side, but there's still a lot of questions that remain unanswered. We continue to face a lot of challenges physically with this disease. We continue to live in what I consider to be one of the greatest times of uncertainty in all of my life. In addition to the pandemic, uh, we see division, turmoil in our country. We have struggles with social justice, equality, continued divisions, particularly along political party lines in our country today. We see division and strife and splits even in our churches, a mainline denomination that just split here recently. There's divisions and turmoil seemingly everywhere. But I want to encourage you. If you know me, I'm not a pessimist. <laughs> I'm like the guy that jumped off the Empire State Building when he passed the 30th floor. He said, so far, so good. You know, I like to think about things in a, in a positive way. So I'm not here to be Debbie Downer this morning. I want to encourage us because here's, with these challenges, church, come great opportunities. Opportunities for us as the church, as believers, to be the children of God that God has called us to be. Because I believe the world is watching the church. I believe Tuscaloosa is watching Alberta Baptist Church. People in your community, they're watching you to see how you respond to these challenges. So this morning, I want to encourage us from Galatians chapter 5. I want to remind us of four things, that we are called to freedom, not to slavery. We're called to freedom, that we do have a conflict with the flesh. And in the midst of this conflict, we have a choice to bear fruit. And finally, I want us to see that we are not to be controlled by slavery, bondage, or the flesh. So it was for freedom Paul says in verse 1, that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to a yoke of slavery. Keep standing firm. That's my word for you today, especially as we look at the year 2023. Lord, help us to keep standing firm this coming year. And we need to ask ourselves, how can I do that? As a believer in Christ, how can I keep standing firm with Jesus? 
Verse 13, as Micah read, For you have called for, to freedom. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Verse 14, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. For you are called to freedom. Our freedom... And the ability to keep standing firm begins with the realization of who we are. More importantly, with the realization of whose we are. Who do we belong to? Well, Paul reminds us that we've been called by God. We are children of God. A calling that's higher than any other calling on our life. As children of God, we are free from the guilt of sin because we've experienced God's forgiveness. As a called child of God, I'm free from the penalty of sin because Jesus Christ died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God. As a child of God, we are free from the power of sin in our lives daily through the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. As a child of God, that's our calling. That's who we are. We're free to love one another in Christ. Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin and from the bondage of the law. We no longer have to obey the law in a sense of approval to God. Certain there, the law is there for our benefit, as Paul says. It's a tutor that leads us to Christ. But one of the verses that led me to Christ was James 2.10, which said, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, is guilty of all. <laughs> I heard that and said, that's not fair. You keep the whole law and make one mistake, you're guilty? Yeah. What does that make you? What does it make me? A sinner. A lawbreaker. And that's who I was. That's who you were before Christ. So the law, we don't, we're not, we've been set free from living to the standard of the law because Christ fulfilled the law for us. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. By his grace, we've been set free. Set free from the sin, from sin, the law, and even our fear, our anxiety. See, the lost person can boast of freedom, but in reality, they are in bondage. The lost person doesn't do what they want to do. The lost person does what they have to do. The Bible says it over and over again that the lost person is in bondage. They're in slavery to the power of sin. But as believers, we have been set free. The Bible says that before Christ, we were all enslaved to sin. But now, by his grace, the chains have been broken. Freedom from the law, freedom from the slavery of sin is the message that Paul has for us here in Galatians chapter 5. And therefore, he says, keep standing firm. Keep standing firm. This freedom is something he mentions in Romans 6.22, very similar. He says, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get, listen to this, the fruit you get from being in a relationship with God, he calls it in slavery to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, sanctification. And its end is eternal life. Paul David Tripp says, It is sin that makes me want to rule myself 
And it is grace that draws me into the only slavery that gives life. Slavery to the Creator, the Savior King who knows what is best and gives what is best always. Always. Who knows what is best and gives what is best always. So why would I want to serve my own desires? Why would I want to be enslaved to sin when I can serve a master who knows what is best and gives what is best always? One of the taskmasters that we surrender to many times, and it happens in the church and outside the church, one of the cruelest taskmasters out there is fear. Church, let me remind we do not have to surrender to fear, to anxiety. Too many today are enslaved to fear. Our freedom from fear comes as we remember, again, who we are in Christ, the power available to us in Christ. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Yes, there are a lot of questions out there, but we know that God is in control. We know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. So let's stand firm in the coming year not being wavered. I, I love Luke 12, 32. Jesus said this, listen to me. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. I love that verse. I, I read this verse and I'm struck by the tenderness of these words. Little flock. Jesus speaks to us as if we're little children. <laughs> and we are. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So we don't have to be afraid. Our calling is to live in the kingdom of God without fear and not to live anxiously in the kingdom of the world like everybody else. We are called to freedom. Secondly, we're in conflict with the flesh. Look at verse 16. Or let's just look at verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that, listen to me, so that you may not do the things that you please. Ever wonder, why did I say that? Where did that come from? There's sometimes when we're just simply in the flesh. Church, let me remind you, we are in a battle. I've said many times that there are those who are fighting in the battle, there are those who aren't fighting in the battle, and then there are those that don't even know there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. And Paul reminds us here that we are to walk in the Spirit, but to know that we will be in a conflict. The flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Our calling does not make us immune to the conflict. As a matter of fact, our calling puts us in the middle of this conflict. If you're not in the conflict... Nine times out of eight, you're not a child of God. If you don't know that's what's going on inside, there's a struggle, there's a battle between the Spirit of God in your life and your own flesh. When we're walking in the Spirit, we'll be experiencing the Spirit-filled life, which results in the fruit of the Spirit being demonstrated in our life. The fruit of the Spirit, all the things that we are not in and of ourselves, we are in Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's who we are in Jesus. We will, give, we, will, we will give in to the flesh, 
And we will not see the fruit of the Spirit when we are walking in the flesh. We cannot win this battle on our own. And it is a battle. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Romans 7. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I'd like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Have you ever felt like that? See, the flesh is opposed to the Spirit. And when we're walking in the flesh, it's ugly. So Paul tells us, he reminds us, the deeds of the flesh. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, when I call your name, stand up, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, <laughs> and to leave the door open, Paul says, and things like these. <laughs> it's not an exhaustive list. And things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things, who live, who not those who experience those things, but those who, that's the practice of your life, Paul says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. When we're walking in the flesh, when we're taking our eyes off Jesus, when we're looking at our circumstances around us, when we're self-absorbed, we will find ourselves just like Paul, not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. It's a battle. Well, fortunately, God's Word gives us the ability to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. We have a choice to bear fruit. Verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As believers, we can walk in the flesh or we can walk in the Spirit. This year, and I know it's a, if you're like me, the older we get, the faster they go. Amen? They fly by. But every day, is an opportunity for us. I love the new year because it's a time to do things different. I start a new Bible reading plan. I try to do things, set goals physically and do different things because it's a new year. It's a new start. This year, let's think about the fruit of the Spirit. Max Licato, in his book, When God Whispers Your Name, listen to him. It's quiet. It's early. My coffee is hot. The sky is black. The world is still asleep, but soon the calm of solitude will be replaced by the pounding pace of the human race. The refuge of the early morning will be invaded by decisions to be made and deadlines to be met. For the next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demands. It is now in that moment that I must make a choice. Locato says, because of Calvary, I'm free to choose. And so, today, I choose love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit can we choose to love in today's climate? When our country is so divided in so many ways, can we choose love? Look at verse 13. 
Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We read from Romans 13, 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. It's a love that comes to us from our Father, who gladly gives us this kingdom. That's the language of his kingdom. It's love. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Romans 5 that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God gives us a love that enables us to do what we are not capable of of doing in and of ourselves. Anybody here, don't raise your hand. Anybody here have someone in your life that's hard to love? You can't do it on your own. But by God's grace, through his power, through his love, through his spirit, you can. So today, I'm going to choose to love. It's love that comes to us when we're walking in the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Peter says this, that we're not just to put on a fake front and just smile and greet. We're to fervently love one another from the heart. That's no facade. That's no fake face. It's a genuine love that God gives us for one another. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. One translation says to welcome one another. It's not just a mere tolerance of one another, but we are to love and accept one another. How? The way Christ has loved and accepted us. That's the way we are to love one another. What about joy? Joy is a choice. You can choose to exchange a spirit of sadness and bitterness and fear for, as the Bible says, the oil of joy and a garment of praise. Listen to Isaiah 61.3. He will give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Why would I choose despair over the oil of joy and a garment of praise? When you wake up every morning, you have a choice. I have a choice. You can wallow in the ashes of the world, or you can choose the beauty of joy that God offers. You can give in to mourning, or you can have the oil of joy and the garment of praise covering you. Joy is the choice. So we're called to freedom. We're in conflict with the flesh. We have a choice to bear fruit. We have a choice because, as Paul says in verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're different. If you're a believer in Christ, you've been crucified with Christ. And that crucifixion is an identification with Christ, but it's also a dying to ourself. Paul reminds us in 13, 14, Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh in regards to his lust. You see what I'm saying here? Is that every day as a believer, we're going to put on Christ. We're going to put away the lust of the flesh. How can we do that? Paul explains in Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love 
get off my notes, a distant thunder <laughs> happened in Uganda years ago when Idi Amin's, they called them some kind of Nubian assassins, they were overtaking the country. And there was one Christian pastor who had gone in one morning at the risk of his life, preached to his congregation, and whenever he came back to his office, he sat down and he just collapsed at his desk. And he said when he turned around, there were two Nubian assassins, assassins standing there with a rifle. And they, through their language, said, we're going to kill you. He said, you can't kill me. I'm already dead. I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm already dead. I love that as a great word picture of the believer's life. You can't kill me. The worst thing you can do is kill me and I'll go to heaven, be with my, my Lord and Savior. But I've been crucified with Christ. We're not only identified with him in his crucifixion, we're united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Christ not only died for me, but I died with him. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. He does not tell us to crucify ourselves because that's impossible. He tells us that the flesh has already been crucified. It's our responsibility to believe this and to act on it. He said in Romans 6.11, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider it. Reckon yourselves. What's the problem? Y'all know what the problem is. We're all what? Monumental forgetters. <laughs> we forget who we are in Christ. But every day this year, let's make a conscious effort. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to put on Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. The flesh of my, my flesh will not rule over me as I walk in the Spirit of God. I want us to meditate on the fruit of the Spirit this year. In the words of Max Lucado, again, choose love. The Greek word is agape, unconditional, undeserved love, happily meeting the needs of others. Can you do that? No, <laughs> but Christ can do it through you. Can you choose love? No occasion justifies hatred. No injustice warrants bitterness. Choose love today and every day. Choose joy. Delight. Listen to what, how he defines joy. Joy is delight grounded in the reality and beauty of God. I love that. In the reality and beauty of God. I have a picture of Teresa, my bride, on our wedding day in my office. But a little card says, as beautiful as she is, the little card says, seek his face daily. Seek his face daily, continually. The beauty of God. Joy is delight grounded in the reality and beauty of God. Refuse the temptation to be cynical. Refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created by God. Choose joy. Choose peace. Anybody here named Irene? That's what, that's the, in the Greek, Irene is peace. Confidence in God, regardless of the circumstances. Choose peace and say no to fear. Refuse to be shaken by outside influences. Choose peace. Patience, long-suffering, enduring hurts and hardships. Choose to overlook the inconveniences of the world. Instead of cursing the one who takes your place in line, invite them to do so. Rather than complain that the wait is too long, thank God for the moment to be still and to pray. Choose patience. Choose kindness. A kindly disposition toward others. 
Be kind to the poor, for they are alone. Be kind to the rich, for they are afraid. Be kind to the unkind, for such is how God has treated you. Choose kindness. Choose goodness. Living with honesty and transparency, go without a dollar before you'll take a dishonest one. Goodness. Be willing to be overlooked before you are tempted to boast. Confess before you accuse. Choose goodness. Choose faithfulness. Of all the fruit, this is one that God really impressed on me. Faithfulness, which is reliability, loyalty. Keep your promises. Your debtors will not regret their trust. Your associates will not question your word. Your spouse will not question your love. And your children will never fear that you will not come home. Choose faithfulness. Choose gentleness, meekness, self-forgetfulness, not self-absorbed. Nothing is won by force. Choose to be gentle. If you raise your voice, may it be only in praise. If you clench your fist, may it be only in prayer. If you make a demand, may it be only of yourself. Choose gentleness. And lastly, choose self-control. Controlling passions and appetites. You are a child of God. After your body is dead, your spirit will soar. Listen to me. Refuse to let what will rot Rule the eternal. Self-control. Refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. Choose self-control. Be drunk only with joy. Be impassioned only by Jesus. Be influenced only for good. Be taught only by Christ. Choose self-control. Each day we choose. You're free to choose because you're in Christ. Outside of Christ, a person does not do what they want to do. They do what they have to do. More and more. Live for themselves. They are enslaved to sin. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Christ, and this, this, life is, this type of life is available to you right now. You have to recognize yourself as a sinner, someone in need of a Savior. Turn from your sin. To Jesus, believing that he died for you to pay the penalty for your sin so that you can put on Christ, put on his righteousness, take off your sin and put on his righteousness, the miraculous exchange. In Christ, we choose to walk in the Spirit. If by God's grace this year we live moment by moment and make wise choices, we will give thanks and continue to stand firm. If we fail, We'll seek his forgiveness, seek his grace, and start over immediately. But that's my challenge for you this year, to walk in the Spirit. May your only fear be to fear the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. May your only bondage be the bondage to the Spirit that leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. May your only master be the Creator, the Savior King, who knows what is best and gives what is best always. Stand firm in 2023. Do not be controlled by the flesh or be fearful because we've been called to freedom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Jesus, we see our greatest needs met. Certainly, we need to know the truth. We need to know that we cannot just live helter-skelter, live life by our own authority, set ourselves up as little gods, and rule our own little universe that only leads to destruction. We need truth. And thank you that Jesus was full of truth. He is, as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. There's salvation in no one else, only through Jesus. He is the truth. Thank you that he was full of truth. Thank you that he was full of grace and truth. Lord, we need grace. We need your favor in our life. We need your mercy. We cannot do this on our own. We thank you that by faith we can receive your grace. And that grace allows us to live a life that we are totally incapable of on our own. Thank you for your grace that sustains us each day, each moment. Father, I pray today if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, today would be the day they give their life to you. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.